How a New York Jets tackle came to invest in freight waves. Where's Bezos? Top five places Amazon HQ2 will land, according to Sonar. FMCSA opens debate on HOS regulation revisions. And intermodal trucking takes up a fight against U.S. tariffs aimed at chassis. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these topics and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. What you got there, Chad? Hey, I've got a very interesting IPA. It's kind of my, my new thing, JP. This has been the summer of the IPA. Yeah, weirdly, you know? right? It's not really cons- yeah. it's not like a summer beer, but... Right, and I didn't expect it, but it's like the pendulum has swung back. You know, I was doing all these Belgians and all these say saisons and yeah, stuff. I didn't really like the saisons. You, you no, didn't? No offense. I mean, what, you, what, which ones? Not the ones I made. I hope you're not... Oh, doing. no, I loved oh, those. Oh, oh yes, um, well, of course. Um, now, this IPA is uh, terrific. It's from... The brewery is from St. Petersburg, Florida, and if... Um, uh, and if I may read the label briefly here, um, sorry, Barry, uh, it's, uh, I'm literally reading the label. Um, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's their benchmark beer. It's, uh, you know, kind of a medium bodied ale. It's got, you know, like it's, it's got this earthy pine, like hop feel, but it's got the notes of tropical fruit. That's, so, that's, you know, in a way, fairly, how can you go wrong? Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's what people always say about it. Like it, 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 it's it's a common that, I mean, thing. It's like, it's like you get you, you hear pine, pine you hear tropical, just fruit. like on my uh, favorite beer and constant companion, Bell's Two Hearted has hints of grapefruit. And I know you know yeah, twenty five weeks in, you're, you're, I've never switched it up except for I think the Fosters in um, the I'm Grumpy sorry Pete. About that, yeah. um, but you know I have to say for me this is a richly layered experience uh, of drinking Bell's Two Hearted. I go back to Michigan. I go back to grad school. I'm immersed in a whole nother world. I think about the past, you know, decade of my life. It's, it's, I'm, it's, it's more, it's more complex than it, it may appear on the surface. Yeah. Because on the surface, it's just, um, you know, one hop dude <laughs> that you're just doing. It's like a monotone. Just you're just hitting it over and over and over. Okay. No, but I respect that. You find something on the menu you like, you stick with it. Um, but um, you know, uh, th- this is a fun consumption. A lot of good consumption to be had with our uh, headlines of the week. Yeah. As well, let's get into it. Um, <clears throat> I was, you know, uh, John Kingston, our executive editor, is actually in town um, this week, but he got to go to Jets camp. Uh, for some reason, he's a New York Jets fan. I, you know, no, long no, suffering, no, no shade, but you know, that's cool. Um, I guess it builds character, but he got to go to Jets camp and interview um, left tackle Kelvin Beecham, who is something of a tech investor, right? Yeah, apparently so. Um, Beecham is a fascinating story. He's, you know, he plays, of course, you know, um, he plays tackle. And, and we're, we're also start, actually starting with football because it's football season. And we thought we'd start with a uh, human interest piece related to football. And, uh, well, he's an investor in freight waves. And, and I, th- I find it um, sort of metaphorical that he plays the second most important position on offense. Which is you know the one protecting the, the blind side of the quarterback. Yes, yes. But um, he's he's uh, Kelvin Beecham. Uh, he's you know he's he's uh, 
uh, played tackle for, I believe he was drafted by the Steelers, and he's also played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he looks to start for uh, for the Jets, a team that uh, hasn't won a Super Bowl since the first inauguration of Richard Nixon. You know, wow. like, I mean, it's been a so while. That's, what, like, 1968-ish, you know, like when, yeah, Broadway Joe or I guess, guaranteed I guess the, I guess that he the, would win and the, the AFC uh, prevailed. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess that, um, that would have been in the – January of 69. So <clears throat> Beecham, um, you, you know, like basically began, uh, he, he, was, he started with some interest in startup investing. It was sparked by a meeting he had with um, John Donovan, the CEO of AT&T. Uh, and, Whoa. you know, and uh, and apparently, you know, he was just talking to him. Uh, he said, Kelvin, I want you to think about the way you're pursuing your life, the way what are your next business endeavors and your next you got to be thinking about your next chapter. And uh, Beecham said that, you know, this was a transformative moment, that conversation with him. Basically, I, I think the long and short is that, you know, he's met, he's been introduced to, to lots of people in the VC community, entrepreneurs, operators yeah. uh, with, with some hot tech companies. He likes to invest in not the early stage startups, but he likes to invest in um, startups that have already, you know, proven a little bit. So kind and of like Series A rounds. Exactly. Series, uh, the Series A, uh, B, C and D rounds. Um, right. Such as the article says. Um, yeah, I would think that like super early stage, like the angel round, something like that, would might sounds be sounds high risk. High risk, probably too much research involved. Mm. You know, you're kind of doing it on your own. It's, it's you know, it, it makes sense for him to you know look at what other people are doing to you know kind of join the party and get a piece of the action. Yeah, um, and he um, you know had an interview, um, you know, with uh, with with um, our executive editor Kingston, who um, also got this this great quote. He's, you know, Beecham said, football has done a phenomenal job in introducing me to the to the VC world. And I think he also just means the, uh, you know, he's also like, I think the experience of the OTAs and the training and all that it requires to be a, a left tackle in the NFL have, you know, kind of disciplined him. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, I have to say, I hear more and more stories about, especially offensive linemen, being kind of like the smartest people on the field. Um, yeah. And I think the other piece of this that's that's really interesting is that it seems like the NFL is really trying to do more for the athletes, um, help, help facilitate sort of uh, their growth as business people, um, trying to break the stereotype of, you know, for sure. the, sort of, the sort of short career – uh, dude who splurges all of his money, doesn't know how to manage it, ends up broke five years later working at you know a you know whatever like a used car lot or something like that. Like like by facilitating these relationships, letting them deploy their capital capital in productive ways, um, I think it's really cool and it's it's kind of. Hopefully, a page is turning for all professional athletes. Yeah, well, and for this 29-year-old, you know, I'm 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 really impressed myself. Uh, he says he he doesn't want to just sit around and watch TV all day. When he's done, he wants to keep his mind moving. And Beecham has also spent a great deal of time promoting you know STEM schools, uh, as well as uh, opportunities for uh, African Americans and other minority communities in numerous locations. That's so, so cool. A really Im Im impressive human being. And um, 
uh, makes me want to cheer for the Jets and the AFC a little bit more. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and just, a, a, you know, a cool story. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, if you're listening to this, Kelvin, uh, have a great season. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll be tuning in. They, I don't think they know who their quarterback's going to be yet, but at least he will be protected <laughs> by a smart dude. Uh, so tell me about this um, Amazon HQ2 story. I mean, if you look at, like, uh, you know, mainstream media outlets, ev- everyone is all a Twitter with speculation about where Jeff Bezos is going to dump, you know, billions of dollars of money, tens of thousands of people. Um, what's that going to look like? What kind of space does he need? What kind of public schools do, does his workforce want? What's the infrastructure going to look like? The IT? How, how do we make sense of it all, Chad? <laughs> well, we can't get into Jeff Bezos' head, uh, you know, and that's really what we're trying to do here. His gleaming head. So, uh, well, he's very handsome. You know, yeah, I, I think he's, he's a very handsome, he, symmetrical-looking guy. Like, yeah. So, but, but it's <laughs> sort of like... <laughs> It's sort of like looking at, uh, uh, you know, trying to think of it's like uh, instead of where's Waldo, I thought, yeah. you know, where's Bezos? Yeah. Um, and, and so, so explain we, the, me- yeah, explain yeah, the methodology. There here. is this a bit is of a methodology okay. here. While it's pure speculation, isn't it fun to think about where Jeff Bezos might be? Well, first of all, Amazon, you know, a couple of months ago, they said that around this time, two months later, that they would be revealing the next location of the HQ2. But they're being very tight tight-lipped about like when the announcement is coming which right. to me means that Bezos is still trying to figure it out himself they're looking at things the overall we do know this about the methodology because this much Amazon has told us of their four main criteria. The metropolitan area must have more than a million people. It must have a stable and business-friendly environment. Uh, there must be urban or sub- suburban locations with the potential to attract and retain strong technical talent. Uh, and the communities must be thinking big and creatively when considering the locations and real estate options. So with that methodology okay. and using our fancy sonar data. <laughs> now, I'm curious to see what, if anything, sonar has to say about this. But go, go, Sonar go for has a lot to okay. say about it, All JP. Right. Uh, why? Because it's the, uh, it's, it's the OTMS, right? Ooh. Tell us what the OTMS is. It is the market share. The of, outbound tender market share. Yes. It's, it's, it's what proportion of overall loads being tendered, you know, sort yes. of per, per, um, per 100. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, percentage. It's a percentage, but it's, but it's the divided. Of all the mar- There's 135, um, mar- freight markets that Sonar tracks and you can look at their share of, uh, shipment volumes and um, to me yes a, a, a very good and to me um the uh it's it's kind of a new new thing feature that we've we've installed into the sonar system and it's a very good leading indicator to me of uh you know from a strategic freight perspective uh which to me jp i don't know i think it's the overall single most important factor that, so well, explain your thinking um, here, because okay, okay. from what I understand, HQ2 is not going to be a well, giant distribution center, right? I, you know, it's I've going to be of... offices of tech people. But is the idea that, like, okay, if we located in a place that's already a logistics hub, 
there will be the kinds of people that Amazon wants to hire. Is that kind of what that is our that is our thinking? Okay. I mean, without being able to like you know get in literally into Jeff Bezos's head and not knowing where he, he you know what like if he lives in a place, does that mean he's ruling it out? As some people are suggesting, I mean, he lives he's got places and every like like all kinds of cities, right? right you know, right, so. Right. Um, but so, yeah, so we, what we did was like we looked at like strategically what were the freight volumes uh, coming out of these places with our OTMS uh, sonar data. And uh, and we and we, we took into consideration a, uh, a few uh, other factors about business friendly environment, cost of real estate, location geographically. And we came up with the top five. Hit me. All right. And there's only one that I'll tell you in a minute that I feel like I might have overlooked a little bit. Okay. And I'm, I'm just going ahead and saying that. I'm laying right. it out Interesting. there. Interesting. Okay. Um, but the top five, JP, would you like me to tell you, like, the fifth one first? Or do you want me to just go right for the gold? I think ascending order. Ascending order. Yes. Okay. Just the way I wrote it. Number five we're saying is L.A. Why L.A.? Well, we're going to give L.A. some credit. There's no way they're putting it on the Pacific Coast, man. Yeah, because aren't you they know, already in But Seattle? at the same time, yeah, uh, yeah, they're already in Seattle. They're yeah. already on the left coast. Um, but L.A. is great for plenty of reasons, not the least of which are the sheer number of locations they submitted. Nine. L.A. submitted nine locations oh, as wow. potential. They have a major uh, airport and <clears throat> something that you've written on a lot. The two biggest ports in North America. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I think of it as being the largest overall port. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Well, America. it's number one and number two, and they're right next to each other. Nevertheless, no matter uh, how you slice it, I mean, it, 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 like, it's the historic fires. They're not going to do it because of the fires. Oh, just you think kidding. So? No, it's not because of that. It's just <laughs> okay, I was it's like, what? You're, it's because I mean, you're on Pacific time to anywhere. I just don't feel like the fires could be helping. But nevertheless, the sonar data says you know it's the second highest amount of loads of our top five. I don't think of I don't think of California as being particularly business friendly. You know, and I, I think don't, I think of as high tax. I think of high real estate prices. Yep. I think yep, of that. really bad air pollution. I think it's crowded. It's hard to build houses. Like. Where, what are the, you know, uh, anyway, so moving on to four. Uh, Austin, you know, strangely enough. Uh, Austin is interesting. Austin is interesting, but from a freight perspective, it's and according crowded, to our sonar data, uh, it is the, the lowest of the top yeah, five in right, terms of right. that. But right, it's got this, you know, diverse hip hip vibe that, that a lot of tech talent University would love. town. Yes. Um, yeah, it's culturally uh, distinct is one way to put it from most of the rest of Texas. In a lot of ways, it is similar to Dallas in terms of, you know, like, you know, those two. Well, it's it, in terms of the, the some of the freight move. There's more freight coming out of Dallas and Dallas has a major airport, but they don't have the diversity. But in terms of all the, 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 the taxes and the state yeah, benefits, yeah, yeah, it yeah. kind of the ranks state, very similarly. State, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be. Uh, high property taxes, um, but who, who knows? From who, the, who knows what the incentives that will be offered to Amazon? I mean, I'm sure you know. I'm sure they're rolling case. out the red carpet. Yeah. Uh, um, for for this facility. You know but, what? I'm um, calling it right here, even though I put it in the top five. Austin ain't happening. Okay. All right, just calling it right here. Freight movement way too low. <laughs> okay. What's number three? <laughs> All right, Chicago. Even though very non-business friendly, JP. 
non-business yeah, friendly but got, the Illinois. They've, it's 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 one of the nation's biggest freight hubs. Totally. Windows. Ever since I think it's the ever since the, the railroads were built hub. to bring the wheat to the futures markets and the stockyards and wow, yada yada. Look at pork you bellies out and the knowledge. People in people in the Chicago Board of Trade screaming about pork bellies. You know, it's, it's <laughs> there's something about the movement of goods and all of the people that make that happen. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago. And there's some heritage there, too. You know, after all, Sears and Montgomery Ward were, were the Amazons mm, of mm, their day. Yeah. Uh, so, and the sonar data, lot, like we just said, lots going on there. Uh, we're putting that number three. Number two, JP, is Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. I'd love to see them in yeah. Hot Atlanta. Yeah. They actually won in terms just of. Just add another 50,000 people to the, to the so highways the, outside of Atlanta. Right. What could go wrong? You know, nothing. <laughs> Nothing like, um, you know, you just basically you might as well just sit on the freeway on 400. Right. Yeah. I mean, no. you just, My Amazon like, Prime shipments are going to be even later than they already are. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> uh, let's hope they'd solve a few of those things. You know, one of the things Atlanta has for it that we ha- like overlooked, I think, um, they have a, an impressive rail system, and don't forget, yep, as we've yep. covered, the Georgia Ports Authority uh, and the Mesa Mega Mega Rail Terminal. Man, that is going to open up some serious capacity. True, it's going to be a lot going on there. All right, take us all the way to the top. Northern Virginia. Interesting. I kind of see that. You know, that's you know what? It's to me. It is either Northern Virginia or George, Atlanta, Georgia. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Northern Virginia. You've got a huge professional community. It's close to Washington. Oh, you think yeah. About, you think about the, the strategic you know, positioning. He is, already owns the Washington Post. He's got that. And if it's not D.C. proper, but, but Northern Alexandria. Virginia, it's still cool enough, potentially, to attract the talent. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But the real estate's not as ridiculous. And then consider these, like, the As long as you don't have to get on the beltway to get to work, you know, your people are going to be pretty yeah. happy with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you've got the, the megalopolis of, of D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York in one direction. Boston. You have the, um, should we include them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you have the uh, you have the access to the Pittsburgh Cleveland Chicago corridor corridor, and you have the uh, even the Charlotte and Atlanta corridor. So I, just, I think I that think people really smart. I think, I think people love um, Washington D.C. It's very diverse. There's people from all over the world. The restaurant scene has exploded, and I also just I hmm. really think that like. Amazon needs to be close to the federal government. It's there are a lot of regulations um, kind of at stake that could threaten their business. There are there are different kinds of wow. tax models, different kinds of That's a good antitrust insight. things. And I think like they they yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. they need to get close to the agencies that are regulating them. Wow, man, what an insight. Um, do you want to I mean we don't have to but I know a lot of people had talked a little bit about Denver, Miami, Raleigh, uh, Nashville, or Boston as other contenders, and I didn't even put them on the top five. So do you no, want me to no tell freight. you why not? No freight. Oh, what? No freight for, for whom? Like, Those other cities? I don't know. Um, well, I mean, I just didn't know if you wanted I mean, to find me, me a truck driver that wants to go into Boston and – yeah. yeah, Boston, when especially when compared to Northern Virginia, is more expensive, more congested, and not as accessible to the rest of the country. Yeah. Okay, you know one of the ones, though, that is a little overlooked? 
that I will say, like that a lot of people talked about on the Facebook comments that I can kind of see. I still don't believe it's going to make right, it. Right, right. Kansas City. What about St. Louis? I mean, I don't know. What about? What, what about? <laughs> okay. To me, to me, those cities are indistinguishable. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, not, right. I'm, not, I'm not. I'm a southerner. I just drove I'm not through from there. The Midwest. They're all. It's all kind of the same. They're they're kind of on opposite ends of the okay. um, Kansas um, continuum. Right. Um, but would you even know if you're in one city or the other? I mean, I guess now let's there's, be there's, nice okay, sorry, to sorry, these sorry. cities. Yes, I w- did know the difference. One one has an arch. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's got a big arch. It's the Man, gateway to the west. You know that one. That's the St. Louis. Isn't that one. elevator kind of scary? The way it like kind of goes back. You know, it, it is. It's 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 creepy. It's, it's freaky actually. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so let's we we've got a couple more pretty important stories to cover. All right, enough speculation. Let's about. let's look at um, our managing editor Brian Strait's article about uh, the FMCSA's um, proposed revisions to hours of service regulations. This, this is. is a, Significant story. It's a really big deal. They're um, finally listening to the industry yeah. and the carriers and the owner-operators. Yeah, Administrator Martinez has been um, sort of on a listening tour. He's done, um, you know, at different industry events. He's. It seems like they're getting the message. They're trying to build more flexibility into these regulations. By opening to, up. They're, they're, right now, they're on a 30-day. It's a 30-day um, listening tour. Yeah. They, when they propose these regulations, they, they kind of have this, like, mandated public period Process. for comment. Where I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure the feedback is going to be positive um, if they're – you know, truck drivers are the ones talking to them. But I think one of the big things of it all is that they're looking at extending the 14-hour the on-duty uh, limitation by up to two hours. Yeah, up that's, to two hours. That's yeah. significant. If, if you encounter um, adverse driving conditions. And I think it's going to be really important how that language is, is, is interpreted, whether it means detention time, you know, getting held up at a dock, whether it's traffic weather, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, is detention time considered an adverse driving condition? Right. I, I don't know. That could be huge. I think the other really big one um, is going to be the uh, split sleeper flexibility. Uh, oh, yeah? That's that's huge. Um, and people have been talking about that for a oh, long yeah. time. The FMCSA has done um, a number of studies on this to make sure, you know, like basically hooking up drivers to all different kinds of you know, sort of like biometric kind of devices to make, you know, to make sure that like if you break up your sleep, you're still getting the rest you need to drive safely, all that kind of thing. But I was just talking to our um, chief analytics officer, Dean Croak. And he knows a lot about about sleeping. And he estimated that, uh, you know, based on some prior studies that he had done for um, a a fleet risk advisors company that he worked with, that, the sum total of these regulations could add basically an hour to an hour and a half of rolling time on average for truck. And if you look at HOS, like actual utilization, I mean, average drivers are getting about 6.8 hours of actual driving. Long haul drivers are another hour above that. So you'd still be, by opening this up, you'd still be within that 11 hour window. But I mean, we're talking... I mean, an, an wait, 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 wait. You're, they're getting seven point six point eight or seven point eight hours per. Of actually, their... actually moving down the road, I see. generating, I had not heard generating that. revenue. Wow, um, that is kind of and shitty. so adding an hour to that is basically giving every driver in the industry a fifteen percent raise. 
So I mean, it's it's yeah. ma- it's massive. It's Who huge. would possibly be against this? LT- I mean, if LTL the, carriers. If the FMCSA themselves are putting this out there, yeah, you know, like a safety organization. Uh, the railroads. LTL carriers, anyone who competes with uh, truckload providers, but the, it's just because of competition, like yeah, it's not—it's because because not because of like the safety. No, because the railroads take advantage of tight capacity and truckload by sure you know, enough by, by taking freight, but more importantly by pumping their prices just because they can. So anything that alleviates that pressure, that makes trucking more competitive, may uh, increases the capacity, you know, the ability to move more freight further faster cheaper you know it's not going to be you know they're going to be they're probably going to start whining about safety and yada 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 um we'll see right uh good point that's probably exactly what will happen in our fragmented logistics industry with competing and our and speaking of competing interests our last story is about it's a tariff story but it's about a specific kind of good uh, that pertains to our industry. So um, originally, the Trump administration wanted to put tariffs on intermodal container boxes, right? Um, right. Starting And with- then he was informed that since there are no American manufacturers of intermodal container boxes, it doesn't really help American industry to, to do that. It's all a part of the ready, aim, fire Ready, strategy. fire, aim. Ready, fire, aim. <laughs> ready, fire, aim. Exactly. Uh, okay, um, yeah, not a lot of aiming. Right. Uh, so he decided, he's like, okay, well, what, what can I, how can I um, put a tariff on this? Okay, we'll put a tariff on intermodal chassis. The, the, basically the kinds of trailers that you set these container boxes on top of. That's 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 where they're going with this, um, and obviously intermodal trucking doesn't want this. They don't want this arbitrary twenty five percent increase in the price of their equipment. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, purportedly this is, uh, you know, the tariffs are, of course, what, what's the point of them? They're aimed to help U.S. businesses, but many businesses, as the article says, are opposed to this. Right. I mean, what's um, the point of like? What's the point of putting a tax on like? basically American commerce just to help these like niche chassis manufacturers. Especially when like it hurts so many more people than it helps. You yeah, know what I mean? And it's, especially when it's like adding friction to the the goods economy. Well and I think in the, supply chain. in the in the larger picture too, the tariff thing is just a back and forth. It's retali- it's retaliatory who has the most leverage to be able to, you know, jack up the prices. And I I, I guess Trump um, feels like you know he's going to somehow win this game, but um, but carriers are, are against it. Um, they they're, uh, they want to stop the, the, the tariffs. Um, you know they uh, I think in, our, in the article uh, Andre Rubio um, of, of a California-based um, transport said there are just too many factors already imposed on the trucking community community with dray rates unlikely to support additional costs. Right. So basically right. what who's the, the poor truckers are yeah are the ones that ha- have the most exposure to this tariff. Yeah, you know, it's the guy it's the guys who are, you know, basically moving stuff off the docks into local DCs and you know making these short haul runs, you know, basically 18 hours a day. Um, already you know, busting it as hard as they can to make a buck, and this just makes it harder. 
and uh, in the in the midst of all the the crises that uh, Trump is currently facing, I think chi- China is visiting this very week, and they're going to be discussing the tariff thing. Yeah, and a new round of uh, mutual retaliatory sixteen billion dollars of tariffs just hit on the day they start their talks. It's right, just... and so naturally, Trump says that. He does not see see there there will be any quick detente reached between the U.S. and China. Right, right. Um, all right. Well, I think that r- wraps up for the headlines of the week, right? Um, yeah. It's time for big deal, little deal. What's the deal with you? I don't know. What is the deal with you this week? It's been it's been busy. Man. It's hard to get into it's, JP's it's head. Great. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> while it's hard to get into Bezos's head. It's even more of a mystery <laughs> to penetrate JP's. All right. But hey, in light of that, let's play this. I will begin. Um, uh, we'll begin here momentarily. I hope the timer is going. And JP, are you ready? Ready. Ready or not, here we come. Trident Transport, a young brokerage, killing it in Freight Alley. Big deal or little deal? It's a huge deal. Um, a freight brokerage is the fastest growing company in Chattanooga. They've been doubling their revenue every year since they were founded. Maersk offers Trans-Pacific container space on new exchanges. Peak season hits. Big deal or little deal? It's pretty interesting. I would say it's a big deal. Um, it might be customer service more than anything else, but I'll be... Interested to see how this capacity trades. Bit of board member UPS awarded patent for blockchain-related application. Big deal or little deal? I think it's a little deal. I mean, these big companies um, do a lot of patent shopping. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have a viable product in mind. Uber Freight launches solution for shippers to speed load tendering process. Big deal or little deal? Little deal, although it has you know, uh, it's an incremental change. Uber Freight's trying to improve its platform and offer and automate more of the services provided by traditional brokerages. Okay, PepsiCo aims for DIY beverages with acquisition of SodaStream. Big deal or little deal? Big deal! Carbonated still has a place, and this diversifies their portfolio. Freight.tech announces Innovation Lab at MarketWaves 18. Big deal or little deal? Big deal! Freight tech, uh, Freight.tech offers unparalleled advantages to early-stage startups across logistics. Slink Inc.'s global partnership with FreightWaves. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. The deal moves the logistics industry forward with blockchain, education, and technology. Legalizing cannabis would not make it cheaper than before. Big deal or little deal? Legalizing would be a big deal. The industry brought in $6.2 billion last year. Oh, we got it! I think we did oh. it again. We may need to up the ante and try for 10 stories in two... Bad idea. That's 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 well. Simmer down. Okay. okay. Well, I'm just getting excited. I know, I know you're on a high. We're we ready right. back in. We're doing it again. So okay. self-congratulatory, aren't we? <laughs> All right. Good times. Great to be here with you. And, and um, we'll see you next week. And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves Conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas, this November. Visit marketwaves18.com to learn more about this event. That'll do it for today. 
Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the truck? Truck.